Professor Ali Disboni, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invitation. Professor, first of all, what was the uh, Iranian general doing in uh, Iraq in the first place? Well, actually, since 2003, with the uh, uh, invasion of Iraq by U.S. forces, which, as you know, Canada was not part of it and U.N. did not back it. So that's created really a possibility for with the, with the um, you know, removal of Saddam in power. So the Shiite in Iraq had this possibility of pushing other forces from power and, you know, take the primacy in Iraq. So the, the removal of Saddam is kind of, you know, created a because Saddam was playing a buffer zone between Iran and the Arab world. So a strategic corridor from Tehran to Damascus and Lebanon. So Iran had its allies in Damascus, as you know, Syrian government and Lebanon with Hezbollah and with Iraqi peace that's kind of completed the circle. So to give Iran more uh, space, strategically speaking, to expand its influence and network. Now, you are are someone who follows closely the situation in Iran. How was the general viewed there? I mean, it seems that for for the state and for the current regime, he's being hailed as a martyr and a hero and everything else. But is is there some dissent in Iran, and to what extent can that dissent be expressed? Oh, you're right. I mean, the situation is very explosive uh, in terms of economy and dissent, as you said. Uh, we don't have to go back too far. You know, a couple months ago, we had this massive social unrest, especially in the rural areas, mid-sized towns, and before that, we had last year a big one in bigger cities, and we had uh, which both last year and this year are kind of, you know, uh, present by by the expert presented as uprising of the of the poor and the unprivileged. And a few years ago, that was something more middle class based, you know, unrest uh, following the election and everything. And the American sanctions are really biting in terms of economic pressures and everything. And in intellectual terms and the press freedom, the situation is not much better because really the, the security consideration for the regime is huge. And that's what really dominates the government actions. So some even say that the uh, the killing of Soleimani uh, in uh, President Trump's mind was to increase and kind of, you know, to escalate the maximum pressure uh, over the Iranian regime. So somehow force the hand of the mullahs to come to the negotiation table because you pressure the regime inside at home and you also cut its arm off as the commander of the Quds force in the region. So that would, in Trump's calculus, put both foreign policy and domestic policy uh, huge constraints on the on the Islamic Republic actions. Now, Professor, there has been some suggestion that perhaps the regime actually wanted to get rid of Soleimani because he was becoming too powerful and therefore kind of a threat to them. And in death, he becomes a hero to the nation. Something, it kind of reminds me of, of the Hitler-Rommel situation. Is, you what? know, I mean, I thought about this. This the, the, the line of thinking is legitimate. However, was it the desire of some 
key power holders in Tehran to see Soleimani get out of the power position. Being killed, that's another scenario. But to just, you know, get them out of the way because he was running foreign policy. And the reformists and moderate in Tehran were not happy. People like Rouhani, Zarif, or others uh, can give you a list. They were not happy by this guardian of revolution, especially Quds forces, running a parallel state domestically and externally. And you remember the episode of Zarif handed in his resignation letter because he was not invited to the uh, meeting of President Bashar al-Assad, Soleimani, and Khamenei in Tehran. He didn't even know about it. Rouhani didn't even know about it as president. So that shows you to what extent guardian of revolution is a state within a state, and it is the primary state and power holder in Iran related, I mean, affiliated to the office of the leadership. So your, your, your line of reasoning is legitimate. But from there to go and, you know, to, to stretch the scenario saying that it was somehow they were involved in that, that's really something not easy to prove. How does this change the internal politics then of, of Iran? Well, the office of leader is the source of the problem. He is running the show. And the parliament, president, social forces, they are somehow at the end of the day concede to the power of the leader Ayatollah Khamenei. So uh, Soleimani or not Soleimani, he is in charge. And this guy, if he wants to, you know, negotiate or not negotiate, that would be the general line of action. For the moment, this killing somehow unified the faction in Iran. Now the name of the game is security, defense, national sovereignty, and the, by the number of people, huge crowds in Tehran and other towns, is that people are worried that Iran does not become another Syria or Iraq. Uh, they don't want their country to blow up and becomes, you know, fragmented and everything. So that's important. However, this could be a short honeymoon for the regime because the reality can kick in soon, and people got to live with economic sanctions, pressures, you know, the sale of the oil is all-time low, and the regime cannot do its international transaction in Iraq. If Iraq gets in sanction too, that would also cut off an economic opportunities that Iranians had in terms of selling and buying. So um, the economic outlook does not look good at all. So we could see some kind of military takeover or, you know, upper handing of, of military uh, sector in politics in Iran. Professor Ali Disbondi, thank you very much for this. No problem, Mark. Thank you.